most people create the goal of, of competing in a contest for the first time or, you know, 10 times later or running a 5k or preparing for a marathon as a way to fix themselves. That's the mindset. I'm not happy with the way I look. I'm not happy with my willpower. I can't seem to get control over this. So let me pick this external goal. Let me put a date on a calendar where I have to hold myself accountable. And then I'll, I'll finally be able to conquer this. I'll meet my goal. And that is the beginning of body dysmorphia. That, that first of all, we think we have to do something to fix ourselves, to feel like we're of value, to feel like we are comparable favorably in society. I mean, this all goes back to sex signaling and, and mate selection evolutionarily. And so some of these things, there's always this yin and yang. There's always this, you know, here's, here's the good side of that. This is what keeps us healthy. This is what keeps us focused on doing better things when we might otherwise not but yet you can always slip over the edge. You can go too far. And it's, it's an interesting dichotomy because compartmentalization is something that, that has evolved for our benefit. When something is too hard for us to address, like, like death, uh, anxiety, terror management, we cocoon ourselves away and say, it's not really anything to worry about. It's okay. We don't have to worry about that. It's, it's too much if we really attack it. Uh, I'll give you one big example. My sister-in-law's husband died of COVID-related surgical complicated you know, issues. And we went to his funeral just a couple months ago. And as people are grieving you know, you, you see his, his widow, you see, you know, his mother, you see children. The, the first thing you want to tell them is it's okay. It's okay. He's in a better place. He's in a better place. He's not suffering anymore. It's all, it's all right. It's all right. And you want to get away from the pain and you want to shield the other people from the pain. And that's a good intent, but then we sometimes stay there too long and that becomes the identity is that nothing's ever wrong. You never have to hurt. Every time you feel a little emotional boo-boo, you just say it's really not there. It's, it's something else. And physically, the same thing happens with us as people trying to you know, diet or get in better shape to, to look better, to feel better, is we start to objectify our bodies. And this, this is a very dangerous thing. It's, it's a good thing sometimes, but a dangerous thing. So here's the good part is we can kind of disassociate from our bodies and say, okay, I can deal with that impulse to eat something. I'm, I'm hungry, but I can, I can ward off that impulse for the, the, the greater good for reaching my goal. Absolutely fine. That's a proper way of objectifying. I can be a competitor who just really loves the sport. I remember being 15, 16 years old. And, and I remember saying, you know, get, getting wrapped up and believing in the metaphors, like your body is like, you know, your sculpture, you're sculpting your body, you're an artist, your body is your canvas. And that's a way to objectify it. So you don't become a raging shithead narcissist. Like you can, you can look at your body as something that it's a, it's a sport. I'm doing it for some health value, 
but it's a pretty fine line between the two because you also find yourself very interested in how you look all the time. You can't pass a mirror without checking out your reflection. You can't go to the bathroom in front of the mirror without pulling up your shirt and seeing how your abs look that day. You can't wake up in the morning without pinching your love handles to see, oh, am I a little tighter than yesterday? And so you, you're insulating yourself from feeling like a megalomaniac, but are you still behaving like one? Are you still putting a little bit too much consciousness into how you look? You know, I'm, I'm not here to say there's a perfect path down the middle or that one is right or wrong, but you can easily slip into those places and where it becomes dangerous for you, for us, or pathological is when it really does start hindering the rest of your life. When other people start noticing like, gosh, all he ever does is look at himself in the mirror or like all he wants to talk about is how he or she looks or what their body fat percentage was that day. You know, it, it just becomes so much. And I think this obviously has a lot of carryover to everybody. You know, I'm, I'm speaking to competitors today about this because then what happens when you no longer look that way? You know, what happens the next day when you're two tenths of a pound heavier and you're not quite as sharp? What happens when you're five pounds heavier and you no longer look like you don't on stage and suddenly you want to hide in a snowmobile suit all the time because you don't feel like you, you are as good as you were three weeks ago? These, these become very serious issues for everybody who has any kind of goal like this. There, there is something deeply connecting all of us when we decide that first time that I'm going to do this because I want to look differently. Then we're all of a sudden getting tied very, very intimately to those feelings of value and worth. And the, 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 one of the ways to compartmentalize properly, we talked about how to create a strong, healthy body image before you pick those external goals. Don't, don't pick those goals to fix yourself. Create some kind of a concept of what a healthy body image is. Then you can go into those endeavors and say, okay, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't win, but I, I learned a lot. I, I moved the bar forward. I, I did my best. I improved. Now we're going to go back to the drawing board. I was speaking at a science conference with a guy who had worked and worked and worked and worked to win, you know, at the world championship level. And, and he finally did. He had been, been winning at certain levels. And, and at one point, he didn't get any first place votes for this world championship. And so he put a big zero on a piece of paper and hung that in his locker for the whole year. You are a big fucking zero. That's what he saw every day. And, uh, and then he ended up winning like great story, very Goggins like story. And as he's as a, as a professional, as a guy who's got this other career and he's a dad and he's this really cool guy like him. He, he literally had tears like in his eyes as he's telling these stories. And it wasn't of contrition. It's not like, wow, I, I was a little too into it. Like he was still that competitive. His entire value hinged on him winning that title. And I thought, man, am I glad I'm not that person? I mean, kudos to him because it drove him to that level to win but that is not who I want to be.
I want to be the person who can take second place and say, hey, congratulations to the winner. You deserved it. This is a subjective sport anyway. I've got very little to do with it. It's it's my my DNA. It's the billions of people who came before me. That's the luck of the draw. And so I'm not going to take it that seriously. And And I have to say that for people who aren't even involved in something like this sport, it's, it's the same story. You know, we're going to be taller. We're going to be shorter. We're going to be stockier. We're going to be super thin when we want to have some muscle. And it wasn't your choice. You're just stuck with what you got. Making the best of it is really critical. You've got to understand that first, that your value and your worth is set and it's everything before you ever look a certain way or regardless if you look another way. That's just, it's not all wrapped up into that.